0: today's expert process podcast
1: i've taught hundreds of filmmakers in this class and i've spoke you know i don't know thousands of filmmakers uh, over the course of the last 20 years trying to get out and make their own films and and it's a very common thing that happens where you you chase some money for a long time and then you either often you don't get the money i mean most mostly that's what happens sadly but um and then you either don't make anything or you come back around to this idea of man i just want to get it made that was my friend and la film producer mark Stoeroff
2: mark is known for his movies pig following directed by chris nolan the house that jack built and Driver X with Better Call Saul's Patrick Fabian. He's also the creator and founder of the No Budget Film School, which takes micro budget filmmaking to the next level. Now, I can tell you, I took Mark's class and I'm all the better for it. So stick around to learn more about Mark's techniques and what he has to say and offer by way of making your movie right after these messages.
0: Do you know six in ten businesses will fail within the first five years? First five years. Or 43% of Americans need a side hustle just to make ends meet? Just to make ends meet? Or that it takes 10,000 hours to master any subject? Any subject. Welcome to the Expert Process Podcast, where we cut the time to mastery in half with our seasoned pros. And now, from Atlanta, Georgia, broadcasting worldwide, Worldwide. here's your resident expert, Durante Smith.
2: Happy New Year. We are now in 2020. We have just started a new year. We just started a new decade. And I'd like to welcome you to the Roaring Twenties. Now, this is the Expert Process Podcast, and I'm your host, Durante Smith, and it's my job to interview some of the most hardworking, highly successful professionals on the planet. This show follows a 12-week online masterclass at TheExpertProcess.com, where you'll learn from start to finish what it takes to make it in your industry, as the program is chock full of professional advice, resources, and even industry contacts to help you Get to the next level in less than half the time. As you might expect, the masterclass changes from industry to industry every 12 weeks. Now, the podcast is your introduction, the masterclass is the blueprint, and I'm your guide. Now, buckle up and get ready for the ride.
0: You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors.
2: This episode is brought to you by Airbnb. Now, if you're like me, you like to travel in comfort, style, but also economically when you can. And I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not keen on staying in someone else's home. That is, until I discovered Airbnb, my friend. My very first stay was about six years ago in Santa Monica, California, ironically, during the American film market. I stayed in a beautiful home just 1.26 miles from the beach. And then there was the weekend getaway to Knoxville, which was incredible. Our hosts were top notch. They made breakfast for us. They made, um, she actually made lunch, which was, I mean, insane. It was a music festival going on. So there was just great live music. Uh, We had dinner on the uh, river there at one of the local establishments, barbecue joints, and it was just a great experience. Then there was uh, Daytona that we got away for again for another short trip. It was about four hours down and back. And uh, Daytona was just it was incredible. Great food, great weather. The beach was just beautiful and it was the great time of year to go. So one other thing. Locally, here in Atlanta, we have a ton of just awesome Airbnbs. And then there's the the treehouse here, which I hope to go to very soon and take my daughter to. That's here in Atlanta that you can stay in. And it stays booked out, I think, six months out in advance. So that's one you definitely want to put on your list. Now, I'm a believer in crowd sharing and the disruptor industry. And I love, love, love me some Airbnb. So do yourself a favor and try it out. You can use my promo code to save $55 off your first adventure. Just go to bit.ly forward slash expert process air Again, that's bit.ly bit.ly forward slash expert process air for your getaway or staycation today.
1: Mark Stoleroff, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Um, so I am an independent producer in Los Angeles, a film producer. I've been around for a long time. I'm old, and um, I started out. Well, I mean, I don't go all the way back. When I came out to LA 25 years ago, and I, and I was not young when I came out here, um, and started out in the in film. I started, you know, working in low budget independent filmmaking. Um, because I wanted to make my own kind of micro budget film. I was inspired by films like clerks and slacker and films that that had come out in the early nineties and um, was working towards that. And so I was working at Corman and working on these kind of low budget films and then um, met a gentleman named Peter Broderick in 1997 who had a new company called next wave films, um, which was a finishing funds company that the independent film channel was um, financing. And um, I joined him. I was the first person he hired. And so I was, working as an executive at a a company giving finishing funds to exceptional micro budget features. And we worked with a lot of great Directors at that time like Chris Nolan and Joe Carnahan and Amir Bar Lev and basically you know I was working closely with all these different filmmakers and, sp- and seeing thousands of films that were made by other no budget filmmakers. Um, there were people like David Gordon Green and Craig Brewer and Mark Forster and people that we didn't actually get involved with but that I met at that time that we looked at their projects. And so when that company closed in 2002, I you know decided I wanted to produce you know micro budget films, the kind of films that I've been working on at, at Next Wave. And so since 2002, I've been a feature filmmaker producer, but producing specifically micro budget films. So I've done, I don't know how many films, I've done five with the same writer director, Henry Barriel, but I've worked with other filmmakers. And in 2005, I started a class called No Budget Film School, which I've been, I teach kind of on and off since then.
2: It's so funny, man. I recall I took your course back in
1: 2007.
2: I was just about to say 06, so it was 06. How do you know it's
1: 07? I only did one Atlanta class, and it was 07, so I, I remember. And it's funny because a few of you guys—I mean, it wasn't a huge class, as you know—but right. I still keep in touch with a few of the folks in that class, so oh, wow. kind of yeah. nice. And, it's been a couple of years since I've taught the class because I've been so busy on on stuff. But basically, that's a class that you took. I I brought it to Atlanta, but I usually teach it here in Los Angeles, and it's a two-day workshop, which is it's very specifically about how to make a film for no money really the thesis is how to make a feature film with the amount of money you have in your pocket right now. So if you have a thousand dollars or $5,000 or $10,000, it's like, how do we make a movie a good movie with that, you know, a little bit of money. And um, recently I have been uh, I finished a film finally um, called driver X that uh, IFC films released in December of last year. So almost a year ago, it's now on um, streaming on Hulu um, that was with Henry. That was our fifth film together. I just completed principal photography on a, another micro-budget film with a writer-director named Adam Mervis, who is the writer of the screenwriter of Twenty One Bridges, which is coming out in Thanksgiving uh, with Chadwick Bozeman and produced by the Russo brothers. He, you know, he's a you know up-and-coming screenwriter, but he, you know, he wanted to direct, and so he put together a little bit of money. You know, he wrote something basically that could be made on a very small budget, which is what you know I would would recommend in my class. So um, it's a two person, one location movie, really great script. We just got back from Vegas where we shot it and we're editing it now. So yeah, that's kind of me.
0: You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors.
2: Recently, I read an article about student enrollment in traditional colleges is way down and online course enrollment is through the roof. With podcasts like this, you not only get free developmental information, you also get access to resources you wouldn't have otherwise. But if you really want to take your film game to the next level, you should consider taking my online masterclass. It's 42 online video modules for more than 50 hours of self-study complete with a full suite of resources. It's also live coaching and instruction for me and other industry professionals. People say, but Durante, why are you doing this? And I tell them, it's just my way of giving back. So, if you're serious about wanting to level up your film game, register for the free informational webinar today at theexpertprocess.com. Again, if you want to write a script, make a movie, sell a movie, or just learn how to get into the industry, this webinar is for you. I want to keep the groups fairly small, so sign up today because space is truly limited. Go to expertprocess.com and register today. Now, on to the show. And let me say, I took your course. I met a guy there. We became really, really good friends. We're very close friends now, best of friends, actually. Let me tell you what we did. We took your course, and we were prepared to go in the direction of making this film uh, we well me being the writer him being um, more of a legal guy right uh, we wanted to use our talents and come together and make a film he had all this aspiration to want to get into producing and so forth we took your course it was a great course really well done man I'll, I'll give you that much very well done but we threw all that to the wind when we, <laughs> we had an opportunity to meet. Uh, we met Steve Harvey's um, manager slash agent at the time, and he kind of put us on a wild goose chase, if you will.
1: Too. Yeah, no, it's a whole, it's like yeah. you jump on a vehicle that just takes off. You think you're driving it and you're not driving it and you're not driving you don't know it. where you're going or where it's going to stop or you know when yeah. it's going to stop. and. Um, that's a very common story. You know, I've spoken to so many filmmakers. I mean, I've taught hundreds of filmmakers in this class and I've Mm -hmm. spoken, you know, I don't know, thousands of filmmakers uh, over the course of the last 20 years, trying to get out and make their own films. And, and it's a very common thing that happens where you, you chase some money for a long time and then you either often you don't get the money. I mean, most, mostly that's what happens sadly, but, um, and then you either don't make anything or you come back around to this idea of, man, I just want to get it made. And and that's so right. driver X was actually the same story where, you know, Henry and I had worked on, we'd done four films together and we were working on a higher budget horror film that was like a million and a half or something. So not a ton of money, but not money we can just put up ourselves and go make a movie And so for a year, we had a finance company that was on board that had this whole plan for raising the money. And then that plan fell through and then they put another plan together and that fell through. And for a year, we were almost going to make this movie. And he'd been working on it for years before that, before I kind of jumped on as a producer. And then it never happened. And then in the meantime, he has two kids and a working wife and he couldn't work. And so he started driving for Uber late at night to help pay the bills. And he would call me in the middle of night and tell me these crazy stories about, you know, these people who drove around these drunk, you know, people in Los Angeles. And we realized pretty quickly, like, wow, there's a movie here. Like this would make a great movie, like a drama, uh, you know, with comedy in it about somebody, a middle-aged guy who's, who's married, you know, with kids trying to, you know, you know, trying to make it make ends meet. And that became driver X. And, um, uh, and, you know, pretty quickly on, we realized we could make a movie like that for not very much money because, about half of it is set in the car and we just used Henry's car and we used Henry's house. And it was, it was a much more complicated movie at the end of the day. I mean, it was a, it had a lot of elements. It had 50 speaking parts and, you know, there were, there were more locations than just those two locations, but those two locations were probably 85% of it. And so, um, you know, I started that movie with no money raised. I just went out, I put 0% credit cards. I got the whole thing in the can with just 0% credit cards. And then we raised $50,000 on Kickstarter. And then, I, I got some money from uh, my mother and my sister and a couple of friends of mine from high school. And, and, um, and that's the, you know, that was a movie. And so, you know, that it always, you know, comes back to, I mean, it's so hard to make money, make a living, making those kind of movies, or make money on those movies once you once you make them, even if they're well received. And Driver X, you know, was was pretty well received, and IFC Films, you know, is a pretty good company to release it. But you know, it's hard to make money back. But at the same time, if you want to make a movie, you can get it done using some type of methodology like that. And it's really hard to say that for any other way. And you know, unless you're just a big shot producer and you really know how to work that angle, I've never tried to really work that angle. I'm kind of maybe working on it a little bit right now, but I don't know how to really do that. I've never taken an interest in learning how to do that, how to go out and raise millions of dollars in foreign sales, pre-sales or whatever, you know. however you do that. I've always fallen back on the idea that, oh, I know how to do a lot of different things and I can make a movie for a hundred thousand or whatever it is and, um, or less or, it's not made me a wealthy person, but I do have a lot of films under my belt because of that. So it's just a choice you have to make. I mean, I when I teach my class, I kind of make that choice pretty obvious to people. And I basically tell them, look, you will not make money doing this. You will not, your film will probably not be successful in most of the ways that you think you want to define success. But if you kind of follow these principles, you can make something. And then if you're good at what you do, you can make something that you'll be proud of and it might get you to the next step. And the whole point of the process is to get to the next step where someone's giving you money or someone's hiring you to write or direct or whatever. It's not, you don't want to stay in in the world of micro budget filmmaking for the, for your career. Like I've done that. it's It's a great place to start.
0: You're listening to the expert process podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. A
2: quick reminder. If you haven't signed up for the free webinar yet, pause what you're doing, Open a new window on your phone or computer. Go to TheExpertProcess.com and join now. You can thank me later. Now, back to the show. In our experience, Mark, I agree with you a thousand percent. And the reason why I say that is because we went through about three years of chasing this money. And my friend and myself put in probably a total of eleven or $12,000. But the irony is we could have used that money to have made a micro-budget film. And even have probably a few dollars left over to market it, to be honest with you, and not have wasted all that time and all this other stuff. And and that's kind of where I get to is like, you know what, how about looking at your project or film or whatever it is that you want to do from a different perspective and say, you know what, how about doing this a bit more smartly, a bit more tactfully and and do it in such a way that, as you just said, you're able to get it done. You you have something behind you. That's what I see a lot of times is you have a lot of these filmmakers. Everybody has ideas, but you don't have anything in the can. Then they don't have the bigger budget studios or the distributors or the sales agents. You don't have a calling card. And that's the thing I'm trying to push. is like, hey, look, get your calling card behind you so that you can do the work, not just be a bunch of talk, but so that you can do the work and get some experience. You can parlay that into something else.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it's not just the calling card. It, it like you said, the experience is. I mean, I, that may be the number one reason, just to learn. I mean, if you've never done it before, or if you've made short films, which is a really a very different experience, both certainly from a production standpoint, but also from a creative, you know, standpoint. You know, you will learn so much making that first feature. You know, you may end up with a piece of junk at the end of the day, but um, you're going to learn one or two things like, oh, wow, I I messed up. I made a lot of mistakes, but I only blew, you know, $10,000 of my own money as opposed to $150,000 of someone else's money or a million dollars of someone else's money. So I, I can get back up and, you know, dust myself off and go do it again. And you decide whether you liked doing that. To want to do it again, and some people are like, you know what, that was enough for me. And some people are like, get me back in there. I, I, I've i learned so much, I know now how to, you know, not make the same mistakes. I just can't imagine, you know, even if you were lucky enough to get a decent amount of money of several hundred thousand dollars to make a movie, if you've never made a feature before, I don't know why you would want to go through that. And you can kind of quietly throw away. and make a feature and learn so much from that. And if you're really good, like if you're Chris Nolan level and you have $6,000 and you make following, then you might have a whole career that starts from that. Uh, Not everybody's Chris Nolan level. In fact, Chris Nolan wasn't even Chris Nolan level when he started out. He made a feature that he abandoned in the middle of it that no one's ever seen that, you know, he never finished that he never really talks about um, as far as I know. I don't think he's, I, I know about it when we worked together, but I don't think I've ever read. He had this other feature, but he made a feature before following that didn't work out. And he just abandoned it in post. He didn't want to waste any more money on it. And then went back out and made following. And I'm assuming learned from a lot of mistakes that from the first film. So, and a lot of filmmakers have, those stories and the Duplass brothers talk about theirs a lot. You know, they made feature films that no one's ever seen before they ever made puffy chairs. So,
2: and you know what? That is a very valid point, which is you can have a career doing something and no one know anything about you, especially these days with all the digital platforms and things like that. There's just so many different avenues and places and ways in which you can a, get a following, but also your film can find a home. But the other side to that is it doesn't mean that you're unsuccessful simply because, you know, your film is not in the the movie theaters or it's not on some big platform or something like that. It just means that it's a different approach.
1: You have to have the correct metric for success and the metric for success for making any independent film, really, I I think, but certainly a micro budget film. It can't be it's got to get into Sundance and get picked up for distribution, you know, because that's never, you know, the odds of that. I mean, what do they say? Four to 5,000 features are submitted to Sundance every year and and 125 features get into Sundance. Well, take out the part of those that are documentaries and take out the part of those that are foreign films and then take out the part that are made on, you know, for multiple millions of dollars by people with, you know, real careers. And, you know, the the odds that you're going to come out of nowhere and make a tiny feature and it's going to get into Sundance are just so long. And then the odds that you're going to make that little film and it's going to get distribution and it's going to make money back or just it never happens for most people even films that you go to the theater and see rarely make their money back it's such a difficult business but that shouldn't be the metric there's all kinds of other metrics getting a film into a, into several film festivals and having audience members really enjoy it um getting good reviews winning an award or two those are things that will really help you kind of build a career and get to the next level and it, like I say, even if you completely fail, you can take something from that experience and it'll help you with the next one. You know, the key is not to spend so much money that you cannot get back up and dust yourself off. I mean, you, you want to be able to spend, you know, just a little bit of money so that you can learn and and do it again if you need to or whatever. So it's just so hard. People have that Sundance thing in their head and or they think that other films have done so well and that they've heard about. And I can tell you that I know a lot of filmmakers that have had films out there that people have seen and. And uh, those films have done very well for them and gotten them to the next level, but they didn't make money. They made a couple bucks for the distributor, but they didn't make the money back for investors. That's really hard to do.
0: You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors.
2: I want to share something with you guys. Most of you probably don't know I'm a single parent of a beautiful seven-year-old little girl. I won't go into details about really any of that because it's not relevant. But as a single parent, a single dad with a vision to mold his daughter's outlook, I sat her down and we discussed how she could build her own brand, develop her own TV shows as really it's a new day. She can do what she wants to do. So we just released our first few pieces of her apparel brand, Madison Lauren, and we're launching her YouTube channel next week. You do realize you can play YouTube through your television set, through your smart TV app, Roku or really any other set top device now. Right. So in an effort to support my seven year old aspiring model, aspiring filmmaker, aspiring chef and aspiring climate activists, I ask you to follow her at Madison Lauren Apparel and Accessories on Facebook or visit her website for great gift ideas at Thrifty little diva that's t-h-r-i-f-t-y-l-i-l-d-i-v-a dot me so again that's madison lauren apparel and accessories on facebook or thrifty little diva that's t-h-r-i-f-t-y-l-i-l-d-i-v-a dot me thrifty little diva dot me okay madison what's your motto
0: we love you just the way you are
2: They grew up so fast. Oh, daddy. (laughs) Now back to the show. In hearing everything you're telling me, going back to the AFM, the American film market is right around the corner. I'm not certain if being in L.A., if you frequent it or if you go to it or whatnot. But one of the things that I found to be very interesting was when I was out there, I've been twice, two years back to back, two totally different experiences. The first year was great. Second year, not so much. First year I was out there, I was trying to market and promote this film, sell this film that I had called Prosper, trying to get this film out and sell it. But the film wasn't done. The irony is I met a gentleman that plugged me with all these different folks, and, and then it's kind of got the snowball rolling. I met a guy in an elevator, Asian guy, and he was, we call it foreign sales rep or something like that. Yep. And Literally in an elevator, I give give him my elevator pitch, you know? (laughs) That's great. The guy was just, you know, he looked at me. He goes, it's interesting. He goes, "Uh, how much do you want for it? I'm like, "Uh, okay, that was very direct. But (laughs) I didn't even know how to answer that. I'm like, well, what are you offering? He's like, I'll give you $20,000. Now at this point.
1: He's never seen it. You just, you just mentioned this on the elevator.
2: Yes. Yes. This is an elevator pitch in an elevator at the AFM coming down from the third floor to the first floor. And I mentioned to you earlier, I was on crutches, right? This guy's like, I'll give you $20,000 for it, right? But wait, here's where it gets interesting. By this point in the festival and audience, what I was (laughs) telling Mark earlier was, I met a gentleman who uh, had been a producing partner with uh, Jerry Brockheimer and made, given me all these introductions to some folks. And it kind of went to my head, just being honest with you. So this is like three or four days into the festival, right? And so- uh, I had had uber success with this film, as far as I was concerned, with all the different doors it was opening for me. That was my whole purpose in doing the film. It was, we to digress for one moment, I took all the components, all the elements of your class. We didn't put that on the first film we were working on. I, in turn, three years later, four years later, I took all that information and I applied it to this film so we made this film on six thousand dollars okay wow and uh, (laughs) and i went back and raised another fifteen thousand to get out of post-production and whatnot so we have 21 i think total tied up in the film which is you know that's for a full-length feature we're talking about it's like 100 and well i think we cut it down to like 93 minutes but i mean it's a full feature you know
1: yeah that's amazing that's great
2: yeah, and it, and it looks great. I mean, I, I hired some really, really good people. I got them at insane rates, but also we did a lot of deferred pay contracts. You know, and yeah. So this guy makes this offer, twenty thousand dollars. You know, I said I was like, ah, uh, yeah, no thanks, man. That's not worth my time. He kind of looked at me <laughs> to say like, who is this dude, right? He goes, well, but wait. He goes, you. And I, literally, I turned to walk off. He stopped me. He goes, wait. He goes, you understand? I'm a sales agent, and my twenty thousand dollar offer is not just for one market. I turn, I so help me understand. He goes, well, he goes, I represent, uh, 20 markets, but that's for probably, I could sell it probably into 10 or 11 markets. Now i do quick math, right? $20,000 times 10 is $200,000. And I'm like, uh, well, wait, hold on. One more. <laughs> let's, let's revisit this conversation. I was a little bit too quick to judge. You know? <laughs> so, so I got the guy's information and whatnot. And we, you know, we, followed up, had the contact. And to make a very, very long story short, I was telling Mark earlier that we missed our window. That's the biggest learning lesson of that first AFM is you have to know the protocol of doing business. And in our case, we were new, or I should say my case, I was new. I didn't know. And that's the kind of thing I'm trying to help other people avoid errors and those kinds of mistakes. But all that to say that the AFM is a tremendous opportunity for anybody, especially if you're in the LA area or California or, or you can get to it, you know, but I don't know you said you haven't necessarily sold into the AFM, but you go there, you network and you make your contacts. What, what is your advice for folks that are trying to get to the AFM?
1: Well, I haven't been a big AFM person because just the kinds of projects I work on and how I work on them, I haven't really needed AFM so much. Okay. I mean, I've gone a f- few times and it is, you know, it's in Santa Monica. It's not far from me. I've never really bought a big pass. I've gone like, you know, usually for like a day one year I had a, f- a film called pig that a foreign sales company was selling. And I was just curious and I think they gave me a guest pass or whatever. And I went to their suite to see how they were selling it. And was kind of, you know, walking around and just seeing how other people were kind of interacting with sales agents and stuff like that. And another year, I think I was trying to peddle this, maybe that horror film or something. i I was there one year. I had tried to set up some specific meetings with some different foreign sales agents that I thought might be good for that horror film. I think I met with a few companies, and I found that that they were, you know, they're busy selling films, so it was harder to meet with them about about getting involved. And, and those companies are mostly in L.A. anyway. Um, not all of them, but but a lot of them were. And I could always just meet with them any other time. So it's it hasn't really been so necessary for me to go to AFM, I mean, I mentioned to you in an email that last year, so, uh, driver X, uh, we'd played a bunch of festivals. We sold the film to IFC. IFC was in November, which is when AFM starts. We knew our film was going to open theatrically in the United States and do, you know, at least like a 10 city run. I think it did 15 cities or something. I can't remember, um, at the end of the day, but so I was like, well, you know, there might be some, we hadn't made a foreign sales deal yet. And I didn't go to AFM, but they offered this, I can't remember now what they call it. Um, and I'm not sure if they're doing it this year. I assume that they are. It was the first year last year that they did it, but it's basically like a an online screening market thing where you, I think they called it market screenings or online market screens or whatever it was called. But basically you could pay like $400. You had to have a pass, but I one of my colleagues, I used uh, their pass basically and, and paid the $400 and we got the Driver X up on this website where... Only certain people could see it. Only foreign salespeople could see it. No press could see it um, and no distributors could see it. And so turns out we got a foreign sales agent that way. I didn't realize it until they said, up, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, well, how did you see the movie? Because they, when they contacted me, they, they had some familiarity with my lead actor who's Patrick Fabian on Better Call Saul. They had worked with his wife and, and they made that introduction that way, but it turns out they found it on that AFM website and um, they really That's liked the movie. Sorry, the name of this company is called Glasshouse Distribution. And um they really like the movie. They um it's a good deal and and they're now selling the the film. So I guess in a sense, I did use AFM to sell my last film, you know, in terms of foreign sales, but I didn't actually have to go. You know, it was funny because when I was trying to figure out if it was worth doing that market screening thing, I was talking to Peter Broderick, who I mentioned earlier, the the gentleman that started Next Way Films, who's kind of my you know, mentor and, and, um, always, you know, he knows so much about the industry and, he, and, you know, we were talking about it and he was like, I, he thought it was a good idea and he didn't think there was a downside to doing it. And it turned out to be, you know, to be a really good idea. Um, uh, otherwise I was just contacting foreign sales companies, you know just emailing them and and in some cases i might have had a connection to that company but in a lot of cases i really didn't i was just saying i have a film it's coming out in, in november through ifc films are you interested in seeing it you know a lot of them would get back to me and say yeah we're interested in seeing it because it had some kind of a pedigree and it hadn't cast and some familiar names anyway and was a topical uh, you know it's a drama companies that go to afm are really more interested probably in genre films like especially like horror and action and things like that so I wouldn't say Driver X is the kind of perfect film for a foreign sales company. But at the same time, you know, the company in Glasshouse is selling it. <laughs> Funny story, um, talking about, you know, sales and politics and things like that, which I guess we weren't talking about politics, but they made a big sale to China and that sale has fallen through because of the tariff war. <laughs> Oh, wow. So it's like, hmm. but yeah, that, um, you know, that experience ultimately worked out. That
2: was my friend and mentor, Mark Stoleroff. I can honestly say I would not be where I am today if I hadn't taken Mark's no budget film school years ago. He truly knows this stuff. You can find Mark at Mark Stolaroff. That's M-A-R-K-S-T-O-L-A-R-O-F-F.com. Again, you can find Mark at Mark for more details. And a special thank you to you, my listener, for following along with us at the Expert Process Podcast. Please bear with us as we continue to grow and fine tune the podcast. In the meantime, Feel free to reach out with any suggestions, show ideas, or guest referrals. You can email me at smith.dorante at gmail.com. Again, that's smith.durante, D-E-R-O-N-T-E at gmail.com. And as always, love, peace, and fish grease. And I'm out.
0: Thank you for tuning in to today's show. For only the best show notes, links, classes, and more, go to theexpertprocess.com or follow us on Facebook at The Expert Process or hit us up on Instagram at The Expert Process. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share.